Welcome to the podcast. We are speaking with Klaas Visser. He's a Dutchie living in Australia near Melbourne. Klaas is a legend. He rediscovered how CO2 can be used as a refrigerant in heating and cooling applications. Now, he's going to explain why this is great for the environment and why this really should be used to a greater extent. Now, he was born in Friesland, just like me, so he's got very strong opinions. Bill Gates was being interviewed here on the television yesterday. Mm-hmm. The interviewer said to him, now, Mr. Gates, you know, uh, you, you are, you're a champion for the environment, but how do you account for your private jet flying around the exactly, world? Exactly, yeah. Are we going to grow food for people or are we going to grow food for Bill Gates' jet? Now, Klaas has been lobbying for a more sustainable world, a more responsible world for a very, very long time. I am honored to have him as guest on the podcast. Without further ado, here he is. I'm speaking with Klaas Fischer. And uh, it's an honor to have you here because you're Dutch, just like me, and you come from a province <laughs> in Holland, which is Friesland, uh, yeah. just like me, because I was born in Heilingen and you're from Dokkum, right? You're Dokkum, yeah. So that's very good. And um, obviously, I was introduced to you by you by um, by Erwin, Erwin Boermans from Comfort, um, Comfort ID. And yeah. um, he mentioned to me that you are a legend with regards to natural refrigerants. Is that is that about right? Uh, is that about the right introduction here? Or? Uh, I'm, so. I'm blushing. You better, better turn the lights off. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're living in Australia. Uh, I myself, yes, I'm sir. Dutch, and I'm living in in in, uh, in the UK, uh, in in yep. London. Um, when did you leave Holland, if I may ask? How long ago was that? Well, I left Holland permanently uh, at the end of 1963. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So why why did you leave? Was it for for a job or traveling or what was it? Uh, well, not really. I had uh, married a woman whose family lived in Melbourne. Melbourne, right. And she was, she was originally a, Ch- a, refuge, a Russian refugee from China after Mao Zedong and uh, Khrushchev had a barney. He kicked all the Russians out of China. She was born in China from Russian white Russian parents. So I met her on the ship. She was a sort of a, you know, a lovely looking woman and then a sailor and a lovely woman, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. of course. You, you say you were you were on a ship, you were a sailor, because I, I understood that you did uh, sailing school as well huh, in Holland. Is that correct? I'm or? a marine, engi- marine engineer. Marine tried, engineer, yeah. right, 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 right. I was educated at the... The Reuter College, Michiel Adrian's on the Reuter College in Flushing, Flushing, okay. yeah. Flushing, okay. I know that place, being from Holland. Yeah, so you ended up in Australia because her family was basically in Australia. And, uh, you know, also I had the problem, of course, being a, a marine engineer officer. Yeah. If I had returned to Holland before I was 35, I would have had to do a full uh, Navy officer training. Um, uh-huh. You know, two and six a day, and it didn't exactly appeal to me. Uh, exactly, exactly, because I was in the army so as well. Really, for I'm, I'm a deserter, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm glad to hear that. Erin introduced me to you because you rediscovered how CO2 can be used as a refrigerant um, in, in heating and cooling applications, um, and that yes. was in the 1990s. And that seems to be a lot better uh, for uh, for the climate and for the earth than uh, chemical refrigeration, correct? Oh, ab- absolutely, yes. Yeah. You are have pretty much been um, working on that for a long time and, and really promoting that for a long time as well, hey? Yes, yes, Peter, I have. The luck had it that uh, the man who originally called for CO2 to come back yeah. 
was a Gustav Lawrenson of the uh, Norwegian National Norway. University. Yeah, yeah. Gustav Lawrenson's name was. Okay. He heard me speak in 1976 about energy efficiency. Yeah. And that made so much sense to him that he took a shine to me and he started to educate me on CO2 long before it was on the scene. Yeah. And he, he publicly called for CO2 to come back in 1994, but he had already been training me since 1985, you know. So yeah. it was a very lucky break. Such a man would take an interest in me. Yeah. And then start to teach me. And uh, well, I used to sponsor him too, of course, when I had a bit of money. Yeah. Share his wisdom in Australia. But then he used to stay at my home. And then unbelievable. That was really uh, the best break I had in my career, I think. Okay. So it was life changing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, not really, but I, I had it in my scone. You know, I, I, I'm really an ammonia specialist, ammonia refrigeration. Okay. They, they go together ammonia, CO2. They're both natural. Not both natural refrigerants. Yeah, well, you know, as we, you and I talk, we produce CO2. Yes, indeed, yeah. In the morning when you go to the ablutions, you probably realize you produce ammonia, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes uh, this, you know, you also produce uh, hydrocarbons. They're smelly, but they're no, very, very smelly indeed. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all those three things are produced in the human body, so it can't be much unnatural about it, can it? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. But obviously, obviously, this seems to be much better uh, for refrigeration. Uh, CO two uh, was used before the wars as well, from what I understand. But then they stopped doing that and they started using chemical uh, yes, refrigeration. Yes, Why did they do that? I went through the transition. Yeah, I had still an old ship. Uh, you know, I still looked after the CO2 plant that, yep. that was refrigerating uh, meat cargo, which we took from Buenos Aires to Yokohama eastbound, you know, via okay. South Africa, Singapore. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But that was quite common then. The, the, last, uh, the last ship equipped with CO2 was in 1960. Right. It was the last ship built with CO2 refrigeration. Okay. And then they switched over. Yeah, and then, you know, the modern things came in and chemical companies and had all this beautiful stuff and it was so easy to work with. And ah, so easy is that what it was? It. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, right. but it was also easy to work with and it cost a lot of lease yeah. <laughs> because the the workmanship required to, to install it, you know, and make it gas tight. It was much more expensive, is that what you're saying? Yeah, much more expensive to work with chemical Um yeah, well, you know, we did the, the uh, I, I, I honest on this passenger ship, I was responsible for the refrigeration. I had bottles and bottles of the stuff. Yeah, okay. You know, to, to keep popping up, like yeah. the barber shop was run out and the bar, it was very popular, you know, the bar went, went off the air, the beer was cold, so it was hot. So, yeah. <laughs> so you had to have cold beer, cold beer, of course. Beer, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it makes sense. And um, there's, there, there's a difference between cost and efficiency as well. So why why do you think it, it is more uh, efficient? And what what can you tell me perhaps in layman terms? Because I, I heard your YouTube video and you were talking about subcritical application and transcritical application for CO2 refrigeration. Yeah. 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 Uh, for people who do not know what that means, subcritical application, transcritical application, um, could you explain that? Well, every substance that on the earth in fluids Yeah. Have have basically four stages: mm -hmm. solid, liquid, mm -hmm. gas, and transcritical. Okay. And transcritical 
the gas gets so dense that it becomes like water. Right. But it can only happen at very high pressure. Okay. Can you, can yeah, you see I, the, the transition? Ice, water, vapor, very high vapor. Okay. Right? And that, that's transcritical. Okay. And you say that needs very high compression. That's needed for that. Yeah, ve very high pressure, yes. Okay. On, on transcritical, like CO2. The transcritical is uh, happens at about 73 atmosphere pressure. Okay. That's very high uh, compared to normal refrigeration. Okay. And I believe from what I read on, on the internet, on Wikipedia, uh, yeah. in sub subcritical uh, application, then CO2 basically reacts like any other refrigerant. But that's not the right. case in transcritical. Is that is that about right? Or? Well, that's about right. But transcritical has a major advantage. Okay. And that is that... A refrigerant goes up in pressure and then it's condensed, condensed mm -hmm. at, a, at a constant temperature. Yeah. But when you have a transcritical, you operate transcritical, there is no condensation. So then you can extract the heat very efficiently. Right. So you can, I'm working on it now, you can, you know, cool chilled water yeah. in, a, in a hotel or a hospital. Mm -hmm and then compress it transcritically. Mm -hmm. And then most of that heat, you can extract as useful heat to heat water, tap water or, or heating water or, you know, whatever. Right. So it can, can, so basically can be reused. That gives you double efficiency. That yeah. makes it highly efficient yeah. Yeah. in those applications. Right. From my understanding, that's mainly in uh, environments like cool installations in, in, in factories, in shops, that, that, uh, that should be changed. And do, do you know... For example, in Australia, what is the percentage that's used with chemical and CO2 refrigeration? Do you have an idea? Or? Oh, CO2 is very, very minor at the moment is in, in Australia and worldwide. Right. It's mainly the supermarkets who, who have gone for this because they had very high leakage. And once the first supermarket in Australia where they put in CO2, yeah. you can't play around with it. At those pressures, you do it right or, or you... You, know, yeah, you, you have no choice, basically. No, but in that supermarket they put in the CO2 plant, they had half a million dollars a year cost in replacement refrigerants. And that is an indicator of what happened to the ozone hole. That stuff, you know, was discharged by the ton in the atmosphere and uh, it caused the ozone depletion that, that we now suffer from and global warming. Yeah. Those refrigerants, the CFCs, Yeah. People commonly refer to as the car air conditioning refrigerants, but they had ozone depletion potential, and that caused the ozone hole, and it's still there, and they high, had high global warming. Mm -hmm. So then they said, yeah, but if ozone is a problem, let's change it to HFCs, not CFCs, HFCs. Okay. But the HFCs have no global... Uh, uh, ozone depletion potential, but they have equally high global warming potential. So doesn't sound good. No, it isn't. And so yeah. it, 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 there was the Kigali Amendment. You may have heard of Kigali Amendment to the Montreal Protocol. Okay. We have to phase down uh, HFCs yeah. by 86% by 2036. By 2036. Yes, you know, okay. that's 16 years, you know, that's, it's not long. So what's happening now, the, the chemical companies and the existing industry yeah. 
are filling the world up with all this rubbish. Yeah. And then now they got new ones to the fourth generation. The Danko can go in and replace it all again with other refrigerants. I can't understand how these things happen. Well, because they make money out of it, most likely, right? Yeah, sure. And, and those people are purely interested in, in maintaining the status quo. Yeah. And we have the same problem with uh, professional bodies. Okay. You know, I'm a member of six, six institutes and associations around the world. Mm-hmm. In fact, I resigned my life membership of one of those because, they, you know, they were so far wrong. They want to maintain the status quo. Yeah, fair enough. Obviously, business for them is business, right? And they don't really care. Yeah, business, yeah. business. But what I find interesting, if people, there is a whole new industry that you can base on CO2, mm-hmm. that would mean a lot more business. That's the future. Yeah, but that might not be their business. No, but if they adapted. If they adapted to that, know, that might might work for them. Yeah, and they may be forced, you know, but it's a... Uh, I don't. I can't understand this mentality. And you say it's becoming more and more urgent as well. In the email that you send me, you you believe that it might be too late to change to natural refrigerants, or what? What is your opinion? It's never too late. Okay. But if you don't do it early, then you're causing a lot more damage. The industry will continue. Mm-hmm. There, there will be industries that need heating and cooling. So if you apply this technology, then everybody will gain from it. I don't know. I must. I must be a strange guy, but people don't see it that way. <laughs> I doubt it very much. I doubt it. People very much. don't see it that way, Peter. You know. So yeah. You need to educate people as well with regards to this. Quite a lot, eh? Hey? Young people, I would say. No, absolutely. It, it should be, and I proposed that it be introduced as subjects in tech schools. Okay. And in 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 uh, say diploma courses. Yeah. You know, and even university degrees. Right. Well, how did you propose that? Where did you propose that to? To to bodies or uh, university bodies? Well, or? no. When I talk, you know, when, oh, when I you speak, talk, right? Okay. Publicly, yeah. I say, yeah, this is this is what we should do. Yeah. I got a few people that that are interested. Yeah. Uh, and I'm currently talking to the the Victorian state government on how we could conceivably do that. Right. Uh, because that's beside that's not really the. This the CO2 thing, but there is an enormous problem in Australia with sick buildings. Right. That's what you work on with Erwin as well, hey? Yeah, sure. No, yeah. And that's Erwin's uh, specialty. Yeah. But if we combine Erwin's thing and mine, we'll yeah. probably reduce the energy consumption in hospitals by 75%. Wow. That, that is amazing. That's amazing. Or healing and heating and cooling, you know, so... And we get rid of the uh, sick building syndrome. Yeah. Have you heard of Golden State? No, I read something about Legionnaire disease and stuff like that. But um, yeah, Legionella, yeah, yeah, Legionella, Leg- yeah. Legionella, yeah, that that comes out of the cooling water. Yeah. Some people go in the hospital. Yeah. And die because they catch this Golden Staff. That's it's not. It's really serious. That's not why you go to a hospital, is it? No, co- correct. You go yeah. there to get better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, yeah, but Evan nearly died. You know, when you're in the hospital. Oh, I did not know that, really, yeah. Uh, sure, he was uh, seriously ill. Oh, wow, okay. That must have been yeah, a motivation. But, uh, but he <laughs> found a solution. Erwin found a solution. That's, that's a in- very interesting story in its own right. The, the short story is this. The, the sheikh of Dubai mm-hmm. uh, is also the prime minister and vice president of the United Arab Emirates. Okay. 
and he lost two relatives in quick succession to Golden Seven Hospital. Yeah. So he commissioned Erwin and five other guys in, in the Netherlands. Right. And gave him a blank check. He said, now fix this. I don't want to, you lose any more relatives. So they, they developed, and it's very simple. I, I don't know whether you do that in, in, in England, but here in Australia, a lot of heating is, is hot pipes in the concrete floor. Right. But you can do the same thing with cold pipes. Then you get radiant cooling. Right. That's the whole principle of it. That's simple, yeah. Yeah. But, but then you don't have to circulate air. Then you don't have ducts. You don't have fans. You don't have bugs that live in the system. And then they come out in the air and they settle on services. This is called the sick building syndrome. Now, in Australia, it's not a big country. There's, there's a lot of hospitals that should really close. Oh, really? Because, is that bad? Because, yeah, because people, they're not, not safe. I read an article, actually, um, um, and I think I sent you the link as well, about Australia's lack of effort uh, on climate change. And, uh, yeah. and you, you tell me just now that you're talking to the Victorian uh, government uh, in Australia, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. So, so that obviously they must be more receptive? I don't know how receptive they are, but I'm talking. You're talking to them, okay. Uh, how far I'll get, I don't know. Yeah. But, but the, I've been referred to the Minister for Health, Oh, okay. That's a step forward. That definitely to the minister. Yeah, definitely That's, is. Yeah. Uh, but I also have asked to talk to the ministers for energy and uh, environment because all these things you know, tie in together. To really talk about these issues, you've been everywhere, right? Because I saw you've been uh, to Singapore, you've been to China, um, correct? Uh, oh, Kuala hell, Lumpur, yeah, yeah. everywhere, really. Hey. I've spoken all over the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What is the reception normally when you speak? There's a lot of starry, starry eyes, you know. Okay. <laughs> but people understand it because I understand what you're saying. They must understand what you're saying as well. Yeah, you try to, uh, you know, but the status quo is so strong. Right. To break this. Yeah. It's a bit like the, like the Montreal Protocol. This must be pushed from the top down. I've got a lot of good friends. They all agree with me all over the world. And hence, hence the fact that Erwin said that you are a legend. Legends are normally dead, so I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> not a legend yet, then. okay. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm a living legend. No, I don't know. It's, uh, you know. I'm trying my best. And, and obviously you live in Australia, and there's these articles about Australia, and the Australian government is known for, especially your prime minister at the moment, for not being very environmentally orientated. Hey, how does that work out for you? Or how has it worked out for you? Well, the the it's a mixed bag. Okay. Peter, uh, 1976, I got a, a, an applied R&D grant to freeze meat in a more more efficient way. Right, okay. We got a million dollars, I think. It was fully paid. It grew out of $2 million. But now 80% of Australia's meat exports are frozen that way. So that's good. So that, that, but that was a then government. Current government is all about, you know, preserving coal industry and everything, right? Oh, right. yeah. But then this, this, uh, this other thing in Melbourne that I got 10 years ago, Yeah. that was a world first. I've sent you that today. It was the customer. The, 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 he had to phase out CFCs. He had a deadline. Yeah. And he had a small food processing plant with 22 individual plants. 
and my institute recommended me to help him sort this mess out. Yeah. And when I suggested ammonia, he wouldn't have it. I said, oh, I've got houses in close vicinity of my factory. I don't want... So I said to him, well, you know, give you a little bit of ammonia and some CO2. Uh-huh. And he said, no ammonia. I said, all right, well, I'll give you HFCs. No, no, HFCs. I said, what's wrong with them? He said, they're terribly expensive. He knew, you know, how much stuff he's got to put in every year. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then I settled again. I said to him, well, a little bit of HFC and uh-huh. CO2. And then he said to me, what about the CO2? And he said, the, the government's got a lot of money available for innovation. Yeah. I said, oh, here we go. He said, would you do, please do me a, a design, you know, and the budget cost. And then he can get the money from the government. He rang me up two months later. He said, hey, Visser, he said, I got a check for $472,000 here to do this. <laughs> okay. And I was, I was terrified. That's him, that stuff I said, you know, absolutely terrified. Okay. It hadn't been done. It was sort of a nebulous concept between my ears, you know. And, but after a lot of trials and tribulations, we got it going and it's still running. Right. How long ago was that? Ten years. Ten years ago and still running perfectly. Yeah. yeah, since then we've done the other one for New South Wales government. And I'm now doing one, de- designing a, a coal store in, in Malaysia. In Malaysia? Yeah, for all CO2. And they say that cannot be done. But I know I'm right. But the trick is, and there is a simple trick in it, Peter, and that is uh, the refrigeration systems mm-hmm. are normal in commercial stuff, are air-cooled. You know, the, you have a cooler outside, the heat gets rid of. Yeah. But with CO2, you can recapture that heat you, instead of throwing out the atmosphere. But also you use a different method of cooling. Instead of air, hot air is, is, is terrible. You go transcritical and you can't get the heat out, so it becomes inefficient. Now, I've designed a cooler for CO2 that is much like the coolers we use in ammonia. Okay. And that will mean that we can apply CO2 effectively all over the world, irrespective of climate. Irrespective of the climate? Yeah. Okay. Sure. And, uh, the, have you, I don't know if you can see it. Can you see, see I can see the Yeah, I can see the graph there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Transcritical CO2, indeed. Did you design that one? Yes. First one. That's the first one? Yeah. Okay. And that was 2018, I see as well. Hey. Uh, so yes. Three yes. years ago. This was for, for the New South Wales government, for a factory at one of the jails where they make all the meals for the prison population. Right. Okay. In New South Wales, right? Uh-huh, yeah. And the, the, the guys who are due for release, they put them in there for a week, for a month, so that the prisoner get the idea of a normal life, you know, get up in the morning, work, go back. Uh-huh. That's how they get them accustomed to a life yeah, outside, a life outside before outside, yeah, release. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it also saves them a fortune and money. Right. And the other thing that intrigued me, I, I had to design it originally, I think, for 8,000 meals, and I finished up designing it for 15,000 15, meals a day. Right. Okay. Well, obviously, you wanted to expand. So that's yeah. a growth industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so right. maybe I should build prisons, you know? Yeah, why not? A lot of money there, obviously. <laughs> private, private public partnerships or whatever they call it. Right, but obviously that 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 makes a big difference. If everyone would do that, what kind of difference would it be um, uh, climate-wise? Um, it enhances the efficiency of CO two systems. Yeah, you have you can still have all the benefits of uh, 
the dual energy. Yeah. See, normally you re- reject the heat. That's what I said. You've got to cool it outside. You throw the heat away. Yeah. And then you run a boiler to make hot water. You don't have to do but that. CO2, if you do it right, you don't need a boiler. Taking one part out totally, basically. Well, not totally, depending on how hot the water has to be. Like, you can't autoclave temperatures. We can't go that high. Mm-hmm. You can do normal cooling, uh, tap water, bath water, cleaning water for kitchens, whatever. Uh-huh. And that's a big deal, you know, in, uh, in hospitals and hotels. They spend a lot of money heating water. Yeah. And, and that is what I call one-pass water. What's up? Comes out of the tap, yeah. you heat it, yeah. it's used and down the drain. Yeah. So that's where it's very effective. Uh, also cost efficient as well. Obviously, they, they save oh, yeah. a lot yeah, of money yeah, that way as well. Uh-huh. Very simple, you know. Very yeah. no, You wouldn't have to put a gas main into a hotel anymore. But unless you need it, like a hospital, you need still need higher temperature for autoclaving and sterilization and stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure. CO2 can't really do that. Right. But there's a lot of things that it obviously can do and can make a big, big difference. Why hasn't it been used so much, uh, you think? What, what, what is the reason for this? Is this the industry, chemical industry, or what, what do you reckon? Well, it's a combination. I think the biggest the biggest thing we need is the, the, the compressors aren't big enough yet. Uh-huh, okay. They, they are dinky toys. I mean, I'm, I'm used to industrial compressors, you know, in the mm-hmm. ammonia field and... Uh, what that means, we need compressors about 10, 10 to 50 times the capacity of the, the current units. Yeah. If you wanted to do a district heating job, mm-hmm. you need high, higher capacity. Now, the compressors are there. Yeah. In the gas industry, the compressors are there. They, they can generate pressure three, four, five, ten times the pressure we need. But the, the compressor manufacturers aren't interested. They're just not interested. No, but they're also very expensive. Right. You ever heard of Sulzer? No. Sulzer is a big uh, industrial company that makes compressors, marine diesels. Winterthur, Switzerland. Okay, yeah, Winterthur, yeah, Switzerland, yeah, okay, yeah. I went, I went to see them, I went and talked to them. Yeah. No, I say to them, you know, he's a whole new market. But, and, and I can see that point, it's in its infancy. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm always complaining about the flat patch in my forehead, you know, that you keep knocking against those brick walls. That's what Aaron was talking about as well. What does that mean? The flat patch, flat patch on your forehead. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. We keep knocking the brick walls. <laughs> <laughs> but you still have been going on and going on, no matter how many people say, oh, no, that's not for us. Yeah, sure. I believe in it. And uh, what I think what people don't realize, Peter, is everything that we have, Everything, your clothes, your microphone, your earphone, comes from the earth. Mm-hmm. You just think about it. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. If you're not careful, mm-hmm. we have an increase in population, and we keep using it, we're going to run out. But the first thing we're going to run out of is the arable land to feed people. Yeah, absolutely. Because now, arable land now is being used to grow Energy crops. Bill Gates was being interviewed here on the television yesterday. Mm-hmm. The interviewer said to him, now, Mr. Gates, you know, uh, you, you are, you're a champion for the environment, but 
how do you account for your private jet flying around the exactly. world? Exactly. Yeah, no, that's, I actually just made a comment on LinkedIn about that exact that point because he just wrote a book as well. And, and at the same time, he's flying around in private jets. And the book cost like what? Uh, the, the paperback cost 90, 68 pounds. He wants 68 pounds. The richest oh, man in the world okay. wants 68 pounds yeah, for yeah. his message to the world of how to behave better. I just don't get that. I just don't get that. No. Because then he went on to say, he said, oh, I don't have a problem. I use alternative oils mm -hmm. that you grow. Now, that's dangerous. Because it because takes away land from... Are we going yeah, to grow food for people yeah. or are we going to grow food for Bill Gates' jet? Well, not only his jet, he's trying to buy the biggest, uh, world's biggest jet company. That is all stuff that people could eat. Absolutely. But the, the reporter didn't climb into it. No. That's logical, isn't it? If he, what people need for, first and foremost is food. Yeah. And then shelter and, and drinks, water. Or beer. Well, you know. That's, <laughs> that's also hops, so maybe that's... <laughs> yeah, or just scotch whiskey distilled out of grain. Or, <laughs> no, surely, but, you know... Uh, if we start using the land unwisely, uh -huh. and there's an increase in world population yeah. and the reduction in arable land. It doesn't make sense, basically. It doesn't compute, huh? Of course not. Yeah. The, the people go well, hungry. We already have a lot of hungry people. It's going to get a damn sight worse. Yeah. Because global warming will make it worse. Of course. So he's buying, by the way, he's buying on the verge of buying signature aviation, which is the world's largest private jet services engine. And uh, for him, for, for people around the world who want to read his message, you have to pay £10 for the Kindle edition, £68, that's UK pounds, for a paperback. Yeah. The hardback, yeah, yeah. which is actually cheaper, is £18 for the hardback, but obviously it costs a lot more to ship and is more worse for the environment. So I'm not sure what he's thinking, but I, obviously you can hear it. It's not my cup of tea, Bill Gates, but, uh, you know. No, no, but, you know, the, a lot of people will say, oh, Bill Gates, you know, is a yeah. genius. And he is a genius, there's no doubt about it. He's a businessman. But this is misapplied. He, he can't, he should not exceed that boundary. That makes sense to me. Um, yeah. I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast and for the work that you're doing. That's amazing, uh, I must say, making the world a better place. In, in the United States, we now have uh, Joe Biden, who seems to be more environmentally inclined. Do you think that change might happen in Australia as well? Or? No, the, the Western uh, industrialized countries. Yeah. That's where the status quo is maintained. You get large corporations like DuPont. Ever heard of DuPont? Yeah, DuPont, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They are interested in status quo. They want to make chemical refrigerants. Yeah. And uh, then there's a whole equipment industry and the whole design industry, like ASHRAE, heard of ASHRAE. Yeah. They write standards and design manuals. I've been there. I've, I've talked at their conferences. So they, you know, they, they do let you talk at least. That that's not that's not bad, is it? No, no. They let let me talk. You know, they they're Democrats to that extent. Yeah. But uh, I can talk in those places for two hundred years. And Nothing not will any difference. So, truly, I mean, they they are so set in their ways. Yeah. They'll get there. So they first, got rid of ozone depletion, and then that was ozone depletion and global warming. Then replaced it with high global warming. Mm -hmm. Now there's already argument about the 
those new refrigerants, HFOs they're called, if, when they get in the atmosphere, they have very damaging breakdown products. So Is that so? So it's worse for the environment? That's what, yeah, sure. Could, could, there would be another impact on the environment we shouldn't have. Well, it, it, I think it's fantastic you talk about it. Um, thank you so much for your time today. Much appreciated. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I, That was a podcast with Klaas, Klaas Visser. Oh, it can act well, yeah. That was Fries. I have no clue what that means, even though I'm from Friesland myself. But the rest made perfect sense, as you know. So you can find more information and the latest news on podcasts with an S dot earth. That's E-A-R-T-H. Um, and then for his page, forward slash Klaas, K-L-A-A-S can find more information there um, you have been listening to peter peter de vries thank you for doing so please don't forget to tune in next week where we will be talking with the gifford family or as everyone knows them the totem uh, family and they talk about sailing around the world a dream for a lot a lot of people in these difficult times and they are doing it and they are still loving it after 13 years so there you go 